All right. Well, good morning to you. And we are glad to be back with you. I want you to know that very much. Um, our journey home, I won't tell you the journey there. Our journey home started with a, about an hour and 45-minute train ride um, to Seoul. And then from there to the airport, about another hour train ride. And then 13 and a half hours on an airplane. And we landed in Atlanta, had a couple-hour layover there, and then we uh, flew from there to Evansville another hour, and then we drove home with Jeremy about, oh, about 9.45 we took off from there and got home about 10.30 here in Harrisburg on Friday night. So, yeah, we kind of got jet lag. Um, I, I woke up at 2.30 this morning. <laughs> I was wide awake. And so, yeah, if I fall asleep while I'm preaching, somebody just wake me up and say amen, okay? We'll be all right. But we missed you guys. I know I want to tell you, I bring greetings from Sarah and Blake, uh, who we went to see, and the boys. And uh, I have a new appreciation for where they live. It's a pretty difficult place to live. It really is. Not that there, I mean, there's 3 million people there. But it's just, a, I mean, I've been all over this world. I've been in like 27 countries. And it's just a real different culture there. It really is. And uh, so appreciate the ones who are serving our country in different and difficult places. And serving the Lord in difficult and hard places. So but it is so good to be back with the church family. Thank you so much. I want to, we're starting a new series today entitled Investing 101. And what we're going to do over the next six weeks, we're going to look at different areas. I wrote them down because I knew I couldn't remember them. Um, like today's kind of like our worldview, okay? How we view the world, how we how we serve the Lord through that worldview. Um, our, our commitment to Christ is next week. Uh, we got one week on a covenant, which is marriage. You know, being a preacher, we got to do C's, okay? And so we, our marriage, I'm really excited uh, on Mar- uh, May the 20th, we're going to have uh, Tyler uh, and Jenny back speaking with us on the family on that study. Mark your counters. About a year and a half ago, they spoke to us on this topic and did a wonderful job. And I've invited them. I will be here, but I've invited them to speak on that day. We're going to have a sermon on character. And then we're going to end up um, with culture. How do we impact our culture where we are? And I know that song is kind of funny. That's not really a good song for senior adult day. I realize that. And by the way, it was really funny. If I heard what you said, you said we were thinking senior adult day and you said something like, like our seniors won't be with us very much longer. <laughs> and I, you know, I go, man, like one foot in the grave, I'm out of here, baby, you know? But anyway, yeah, so, so that's kind of what was going on there. But anyway, I know that's kind of a rocking song for, for our senior adults, but the words are so good, and I kind of wanted to read them to you. You got some of them on the screen, but you get all of them. And this is by a group called King and Country, and uh, they're a British group, and it really, it's their mantra song. It's what they're called. It's, it's what they, they're all about. And it says, hit rewind. This is kind of that hip thing. Hit rewind, click delete. Stand face to face with the younger me. Now, we can start identifying with that. All of the mistakes, all of the heartbreak, here's what I would do differently. I'd love like I'm not scared. Give when it's not fair. Live life for another. Take time for a brother. Fight for the weak ones. Speak out for freedom. Find faith in the battle. Stand tall, but above it all, fix my eyes on you my eyes on you. And the last little verse said, I learned the lines and I've walked, I talked the talk, but the road less traveled is hard to walk. 
It takes a soldier who knows his orders to walk the walk I'm supposed to walk, and then repeats the course. It's a great song for what we're going to be talking about the coming weeks as we look forward to and say, God, how are we want, How do you want us to live in the world that we're living in today? Now, interestingly enough, you know, the word that came to my mind as we talk about culture and character and all those different things, the word passion came to my mind. I know it's kind of a strange word. We, we don't really think. I, I looked up, if you look it up, there's like seven definitions for the word passion. But here's what I know, is that what we are passionate about is what we work toward. What we're passionate about is what we work toward. Now, the word passion, here's the definition that I chose to use this morning. It's strong or extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. Let me read it to you again. Strong or extravagant fondness, enthusiasm, or desire for anything. You know, passion can determine success or failure. And we got senior, uh, you know, senior Sunday coming up, not senior adults, senior graduating folks, you know. We got that coming up. And I want you to understand something. You need to determine what you're going to be passionate about in your life. Um, passion will, will determine your core values. Um, passion will determine the life path, path that you're wanting to take. Um, passion can lead us toward obedience or toward disobedience. Passion, listen, listen. Passion is powerful. Passion is powerful. But it's kind of like money. You know, money is a tool that can be used for good and evil. The Internet's a very powerful thing today. You've got to understand, you know, it's a very powerful thing. It can be used, though, for great good or great evil. And depending on what the object of your passion is. Now, stay with me now. Determine what the object of your passion is. It can be a very strong thing for good or it can be very destructive. Very destructive. Now, how many of you have seen the movie, the film, The Greatest Showman? Raise your hands. The Greatest Showman. Okay, about, probably about a third, maybe a little bit, maybe about 40% of the crowd. Okay, thank you so much. You know, here's what I want to suggest you do. It's already out of the theaters. I think it's coming out if, on, on DVD. If it's not out already, it'll be very soon. You need to get it. You need to watch the movie, The Greatest Showman. First off, it's rated PG, and you don't find very many movies rated PG anymore um, that are worth watching, and this one really is. Now, it tells the early story of uh, P.T. Barnum, the founder of Barnum & Bailey uh, Circus, and I'm not promoting his life because, frankly, he's a con man and that, uh, but however, the music in this film is very powerful. In fact, the music in the film is very passionate. Um, Do not be surprised if you don't see in the future a sermon series built around the music of the greatest showman. It talks about the you know, people who are different and how they're treated. It talks about, um, talking about love and passion in that area. So don't be surprised that happens. Now, in this film, again, I love music. I love all kinds of music. Uh, in fact, I've seen this film three times. Um, and last time was in Korea. We watched it on, on you know, he had it on, on DVD or something, on, on Netflix or something. But anyway, so, so I'm passionate about the music in The Greatest Showman. And there's one particular song, and believe me, all of them are, you need to see this film. All the songs are really strong, passionate music. But there's one called Never Enough. And, and I felt so strongly about this. I want, I want you to hear and see 
see the clip from the movie of this woman who sings this song. Now, this is not the whole song. It's about a minute long. But I want you to listen. listen. And as you listen, I want you to listen to the words. And I want you to listen for the passion in her voice. So would you please, that, please play that clip, Nancy? All the shine of a thousand spotlights All the stars we steal from the night sky Will never be So can you sense the passion in the song? I I don't know this lady. I don't know the actress. But the power of her voice is incredible. And passion can be, again, a very powerful and incredible force. Now, if you listen to that song, that portion of the song, um, let me go ahead and read again some of the words. I'm going to use them again in just a moment. But the words that, that were on the screen there, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands could hold the world, but it would never be enough. Now, when you hear the song that way, it sounds a little self-centered, doesn't it? It sounds like this woman singing, saying, you know, if I have everything, it's not enough. I want more for me. Now, what the part you don't hear changes the song. Now, let me be honest with you. Again, when I first heard this song, the, the part that I'm going to read to you in just a moment, she sings very low in the lower parts of her voice, not passionate at all. But if you miss that part of the song, it changes the entire meaning. That's what happened with me. I was going to use this as an illustration of a person who was so self-centered that, that all that she had, if she had the whole world, it still wouldn't be enough for her. And that's so typical of the world. But here's, now it's a little sappy, okay, I'll warn you, I'll give you a spoiler alert. It's a little sappy, but here's the verse, the words that lead up to never enough. It says this, I'm trying to hold my breath. Let it stay this way. Can't let this moment end. You set off a dream with me. Getting louder now. Can you hear it echoing? Take my hand. Will you share this with me? And then there are four words that change the entire meaning of the song. Here are those four words. Cause darling without you. Because darling without you All the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night will never be enough. In other words, because of this person, okay, this love, this passion she has for this person, everything else pales. Are you getting the analogy? Everything else 
pales. She so loves this person. This is a love song. It's not, it's not a song about a person absorbed themselves. It's about someone. The song is about someone else absorbed with someone else that they love. It's a great and beautiful love song. Okay? Now, here's the question. Because this song is about a darling, okay, there's, there's someone that she loves, and, and all of this stuff would not be enough because if that person was not in her life, then it, then it would be meaningless, okay? Here's the question, and this is the key question. All right, I want you to stay with me on this, okay? I mean, I've been thinking about this for a week, maybe a week and a half, while I've been in Korea. Now, here's the key question. Who or what is the darling for you as you do life. In your life, in your scope, in your world, in your sphere, what is the darling, what is the thing that you set your passion and your love on that would cause you to say, if that thing, if that person, if that item was not in my life, okay, all the shine of a thousand spotlights, all the stars we steal from the night sky will never be enough, never be enough. Towers of gold are still too little. These hands, the world, but it will never be enough, never be enough. What is it that you focus on, that you're passionate about in your life, that, that if, if that thing was not in your life, everything else wouldn't matter? Everything else wouldn't matter. Now, let me just give you this. If you're not a Christian, not a disciple of Jesus, not a Christ follower, not a believer, there's still practical use here. You need to understand something. It, that song, and, and what I'm trying to say this morning already, is this. You know, what if that darling, that love, that passion in your life is work? It might cost you your wife. What if, what if that career, you're so focused on your career and what that career means, it might cost you your family? What if you're so enamored with money that you would earn money, seek money at all costs, it might cost you your freedom and your character, who you are? But now let's get down to those of us who claim to be disciples of Christ, Christians, uh, Christ followers, believers. Here's what I want to say. If this darling, like in the song, if this object of your affection, if this object of your love is anything besides God, it's idolatry. Now, I want you to think about that. This is not, I wrote down two facts that are not up for debate. This is not up for debate. If you are a Christ follower, if you are a Christian, if you believe in God in the sense of you have a relationship with God, God is your father and the passion of your life, the darling in your life, the one thing in your life, if you didn't have that one thing, everything else would be meaningless. If that is not God, it is idolatry. And with, now listen, listen, with idolatry comes a boatload of consequences. A boatload of consequences. That the big picture, what I want you to see today is, is that it's so important that the passion of our life, the darling of our life, must be God. Must be God. Now here's what I'm going to throw out to you. If, in fact, the passion of your life the darling of your life is God, then you will find the purpose and fulfillment and the wonder of worship that you've been looking for. If, if the darling of your life is God, then you will find the happiness and the purpose and the fulfillment that you're looking for. 
Move that as a Christ follower, as a believer, as a Christian. Take that away and you're going to find a boatload of consequences that you don't want to have to face. Now, we see this really painted out real beautifully in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. If you brought your Bible today, be sure and dig that out. We'll have the scriptures on the screen in just in a moment. Um, but but if, you, if, if you don't have Jesus or God at the center of your darling, at the center of your passion, then things happen that are not good. If you do, you find the purpose that you're looking for. So in Matthew chapter 25, and this is a really cool scripture. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus is telling a parable. Now, a parable is a story that Jesus made up that wasn't true, but it teaches the truth. Okay? Jesus was the master storyteller. The master storyteller. So here's the story that he tells starting in Matthew chapter 25 and verse number 14. For it is just like a man about to go on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Okay? Now, this is a beautiful picture of what happened a couple thousand years ago and still happening even today. Now, this particular translation, which as far as I remember, is the uh, Christian Standard Bible, puts the word it there, but, but most of the translations, because Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God previously, and the translator simply just said, for it, inferring that is still the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God. And you say, well, what is the kingdom of heaven? What's the kingdom of God? All right, that is the rule of God. When it says the kingdom of God, it's not talking about a place. It's talking about the authority and the rule of God. Now, here's what I want you to get. In its purest form, now stay with me. Don't you dare not off. I'm the one with jet lag. Okay, now, okay, now listen, listen. In its purest and most simple form, the kingdom of God occurs in every believer in Jesus Christ. The rule of God is, is, in its simplest form, is in my life. When I submit to the kingship and the lordship of Jesus Christ and act out and allow God to act out his kingdom in my individual life. Of course, it goes much bigger than that. It goes to all creation. But in its simplest form, every one of you who are Christ followers today has the kingdom of God, the rule of God, active in your life. So Jesus is going to tell a story, a picture about the kingdom of God, about the rule of God. He says it's like a man about to go on a journey. And it's a beautiful picture of 40 days, about 40 days after Jesus Christ resurrected. What did he do? He ascended to heaven. He went on a journey. And what did he do? You know, the story goes that, that he went on a journey. He called his own servants and entrusted his possessions to them. Is that not exactly what Jesus did? When he calls the, the disciples together, he says, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Now I want you to go, therefore, unto all the earth, and I want you to make disciples. I want you to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to teach them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always. He entrusted to those men, hence, entrusted to every one of us the kingdom of God, the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. What it's all about when it comes to spiritual matters is the kingdom of God. And he entrusted to those men in this story, he entrusted them, he calls them, and entrusts them with his possessions. And God, now here you go, watch this. God has entrusted part of his possessions 
to us. To us. Write this down if you're taking notes. We are not owners, we are stewards. We are not owners, we are stewards. Over in 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Paul says, Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. It's required in stewards that a person, a manager, be found faithful. You know, every week, or yeah, every week, every week when, when Vicki writes my check from the church, a pretty big chunk these days goes to Guidestone Annuity Board. Now, I'm really not passionate about investing. I, I told you long before, when it comes to the Taylor household, we've divvied up responsibilities for the money. Judy tries to take care of it, and I try to spend it. That's just the way it is, okay? However, however, I'm not passionate. I mean, I don't joyfully walk into the office and say, Vicki, we need to take a little bit more of this money, and I want to send it to the Guidestone people, okay? I'm not passionate about investing, but I am passionate about eating. And I know there's going to come a time in my life when I won't be able to work. And the only way I'm going to have food is if I have a retirement, And the way I'm going to have a retirement, if I send them money. Now, when I send them the money, I don't say this is yours. I say it's still mine, but I want you to manage it. And Guidestone is the steward of my money till I claim it back. That's what's happening here. God has entrusted every one of us with his stuff. And he says, "Now, now listen, he says it's not yours, but I want you to manage it. With a passion, I want you to manage it till I come back. Well, you say, well, well, what stuff, Dwayne? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because in Psalm 24, verse 1, here's what the Word of God... Someone say, Word of God. Here's what the Word of God says. And, you know, isn't that, we just sang the song. We haven't sang that thing in forever. Word of God speak. Okay, here's what the Word of God says about stuff. The earth is the Lord's, and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. So, the whole world, everything in the world, is God's. It's the Lord's. And if you go back to verse number 14, he calls his servants and entrusted his possessions to them. So, each one of us, God has entrusted some of his possessions. And he owns it all. Now, so, so if that's true, if Psalm 24, 1 is true, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, can I ask you a question? Okay, so, you know, you drove here most likely. Some of you walked, but most of you drove here in a car. So if Psalm 24, 1 is true, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, so whose car did you ride in when you came to work or to church today? Okay, God, that was a little weak. Whose? God's, Yeah. When you left your address this morning, whatever part of town you happen to live in, and when you go home after church, if you're going to your home, so whose house are you going to? Yeah, yeah. Now, you know that marriage you're really not happy in? Okay? Now, if he owns the, the earth and everything in it, whose marriage is that? How about that? And you know what? You know those kids, sometimes you love them, sometimes you want to kill them? Yeah, well, guess what? Who's, if, if he owns the world, in fact, it even says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. So those kids that sometimes you want to strangle at, to death and sometimes you want to love them, okay, whose kids are those? How about that? Everything 
belongs to God. And as a believer, Christ follower, disciple, whatever word you want to use, God has entrusted you with his possessions. Do not, do not limit this to money. This is way bigger than that. If you're, if, you're a young, if you're a young parent today, I want you to understand those kids that God has entrusted to you are his kids. And he's entrusted you to raise them for him. Not, not outside the realm of Hannah and Samuel. When, when, they, when Hannah gave Samuel to Eli. So, so I want you to understand something that we're not owners, we are managers. And if your passion is not right, that rubs you the wrong way. You're going to say, I worked for the house. I worked for the car. These are my children. It's my family. It's my marriage. My, my, my. Never enough. Never enough. No, no, no. Listen, it belongs to God. It belongs to God. Everything belongs to God. And that's why, by the way, you don't have the right to start ending marriages and all that stuff. If you're a Christ follower because you're unhappy or this or that, you know, I, this, I don't like this happening. I, I don't like him, so I'm not going to speak to him. And, and I, I'm, I don't like this. Preacher, I don't like you anymore, so I'm going to go find a new church. You know, whoa, 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 whoa. This is all God's. All you are are managers. All I am is a manager. My time, my talent, my abilities, my calendar. My family, my wife, my children, my ministry. It's not mine. It's God's. And so it is in your life. So, so he, tells, he calls these people together and he entrusts them with part of his possessions. Okay, now, watch this. In Matthew 25, 15, this is so good. In fact, there are two things I really want you to take home today. This is one of them. To one, the owner... To one, he gave five talents. To another, he gave two talents. And then to another, he gave one talent, depending on each one's ability. And then he went on his journey. So just like he did it back 2,000 years ago, he's still doing that. He, He gives out talents. Now, granted, in the story, a talent was about 75 ounces of silver, something like that. Okay, but the bottom line is this, that God has entrusted each one of us with certain portions of his possessions. Here's what I want you to take home. The the fulfillment, the purpose, and the success in each person's life, the five, the two, the one, had nothing to do with the number of talents. Nothing to do with the number of talents. The guy with five talents could be just as successful in kingdom work, by the way. Now, I'm not talking about the world. In kingdom work, the guy with five talents could be just as fulfilled and purposeful as one with two or one talent. We've always associated the fact that, oh, well, obviously Jesus trusted the guy or God trusted or manager trusted the guy with five talents more than one. It does not teach that. He just simply said, in accordance with their abilities... He gets one, five, one, two, one. And I wonder this. God has given you what you have because he knew what it would take for you to be purposeful and successful when you manage it for him. Now, go beyond dollars. Go beyond dollars. Go beyond dollars. 
the, you can, so each one of us, whether we have the five, the two, or the one, wherever we are in our station of life, if we'll manage it for him, each one of us has the, the potential of fulfillment and purpose and success in the kingdom. You're saying, well, if I had what they have, if, if God had given me what they've got, God gave you exactly what he knew you needed. All you've got to do is act like a manager and not an owner. Trust God that he knows what he's doing in your life and start enjoying the life he's given you. Start enjoying the life he's given you. Listen, the journey is not, the, excuse me, the, the pleasure is not in the destination. It is in the journey. It is in the journey. So he awards these guys, he gives these guys the, the management of different portions of stuff. But keep in mind, I want you to forget this. Remember this. Whether it's five, two, or one, each person had the same potential for purpose, fulfillment, and success in the kingdom. No matter where you are in your journey with Jesus, if you feel like you'd say today, well, God's entrusted me with like five. Or maybe you're sitting here and say, well, God's only given me two. Or maybe God's only given me one. Listen, it doesn't matter. What matters is that God has trusted you and said, manage this for me. I want, I want you to do with this. And, and because I know your abilities, I've given you exactly what you need for a successful and purposeful life in the kingdom. Get that. Get that. All right. So, in verse 16... Immediately, the man who had received five talents went. And he put them to work and earned five more. In the same way, the man with two earned two more. And then, I've never, every time I turn around now, I think about Matt when he was here and talked about the butts in the Bible. Well, here's a butt in the Bible. But the man who had received one talent went off. Now, now isn't that strange? The other one said they put it to work and got five more and put it to work and got two. But this guy went off. And the implication is secrecy. Secrecy. He went off by himself, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Can I just give you a warning? If you're living a life of secrets, beware. Beware. Whether it's, whether it's spiritual or character-wise or whatever it is, if your life is a, if you let me use these words in a Baptist church, if your life is a house of cards and you're just waiting for someone to find out the secret in your house, in your life, you know, it may be a boyfriend, it may be a girlfriend, you know, and you're married, by the way. It may be something you're doing at work that's like totally illegal and you're just waiting for someone to find out and your house is going to collapse. If your life is based on a world of secrets, be careful. There was something going on here. The way this is worded with Jesus, I'm not trying to stretch the scripture. I'm just telling you, there's something different here. And this guy goes off and hides this money in the ground. You know, they often ask in the commercial, what's in your wallet? What is in your closet? What is it that you think you're hidden from everyone but God? Just beware of that. It could be a really big red flag for you if your life is a life of secrets. Well, anyway, in verse 19, 
After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And this is, again, it's just so much a picture of what really happened. So, so the guy goes on the journey. He gives the talents to the guys. They respond in two different ways, really. The five and the two, they invest it, and they, and they make double their thing. But the one guy goes off in secret and hides his stuff in the dirt. Okay? And then after a long time, the master comes back. Well, 2,000 years ago, Jesus left. And I got news for you. He's coming back. And when he comes back, he's going to settle some accounts. He's going to settle some accounts. All right? Now, now I need to tell you this. You know, life is going to end one of two ways for us. Did you know there are two ways? One is the last heartbeat. Brent already mentioned it inadvertently. You know, we only got a short time left with our seniors. <laughs> Boy, you won't forget that one for a while. <laughs> Okay, yeah, the last heartbeat is out there somewhere for us. And by the way, younger adults, it's not just older people who die. It's just not. Or the rapture, the coming back of Jesus Christ for his church. One way, that way or that way, we're leaving this world. And when we come, there's a settlement of accounts. Now, the settlement of accounts is called the judgment seat of Christ. Okay, Paul mentions it in 2 Corinthians 5.10. He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, let me, let me take a moment and explain this. This is not determining whether you go to heaven or hell. That was, that was nailed down when you put your faith in the man on the cross. When you believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins and you asked him to forgive your sins, you just turned from your sin and chose to follow him, that issue was settled. However, however, there is still a judgment seat for us. There's a time of settling accounts out there. The, the word bima is the word used in the Greek. Bima. It, it's, what, it's what the medal stand is in the Olympics. The, the medal stand is there to give the reward. And so this is a time when we will give account for our lives, for our actions, and receive the rewards that we've earned for that. So there is coming a time when the accounts will be settled. So again, it works well. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. Now, the man, verse 20, the man who had received five talents approached, presented five more talents and said, Master, you gave me five talents. See, I've earned five more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. How incredible is that? So the guy with five shows up with five more and says, Lord, look, I've doubled the money for you. i doubled the talents, okay? And, and Jesus, the master in the story, says, Well done, good and faithful servant. How many times have you heard that mentioned in sermons? We want to hear that when we get to the end. Well done, good and faithful servant. And, and so cool because he says, you know, you were faithful over a few things. Then I'm going to make you faithful over more things. I'll give you the opportunity to be more faithful over more things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Now, this is the second thing. This is the second thing. You remember what the first thing was? The number of talents did not determine the amount of fulfillment, purpose, and success in the kingdom. It was, it was you know, the fact that, that we be managers and not owners and trust God and fulfill that purpose. Okay. God, I'm trying to decide how strong I want to say this. I'll say it one way, and then I'll, I'll put a caveat on it just in case. God does not reward numbers. He rewards faithfulness. God, God does not record, re, reward numbers. He rewards 
faithfulness. And so I'll put the caveat out there. Generally speaking, God always rewards faithfulness more than numbers. But I really believe it's the other one. You know, Billy Graham was an incredible servant of God. Literally millions of people probably in the kingdom because of his ministry. Our friends in Central Asia have seen incredible success for where they are in the kingdom work. It's incredible. I got two friends. I call them friends. I only met them eight years ago briefly, and then I've stayed in touch with them, though, through their newsletters. And they are still ministering to the Torig people group. And those of you, Tim, you guys, Benna, some of y'all who've been to work with the Torig people group know that was incredibly hard. We went like five times and never got past, hi, how are you? Can we tell you a God story? Okay, well, these folks for the last eight years have been moving from country to country, trying to make contact and win Torig people to the ministry. As far as I know, if they've won two or three, that would be the extent of their conversions. So we got Billy Graham, and we got God doing some incredible work in Central Asia where several, several people have become believers. And we got these folks working in North Africa in that area, and I've seen maybe one or two in eight years. Faithful, faithful, faithful. Well done, well done, well done. God rewards faithfulness. That's why whether you think God gave you five talents or two talents or one talent doesn't matter because that's the number of talents is not the basis for the reward. It's our faithfulness with what we do as managers of those things. You get that? Don't forget that. That's huge. That's huge. When God says, well done, good and faithful servant, notice the word faithful. He's good. He's faithful. He's rewarding his faithfulness. He did what God asked him to do. You know, isn't it great that God doesn't ask us to perform miracles and all this stuff? He simply asks us to be faithful. Who, who here cannot be faithful? Is there, you know, you say, well, Dwayne, if I had a million dollars, God doesn't say if you had a million dollars. He says be faithful. And every believer here can be faithful. Amen. Every one of us. If, if I had a voice like that woman on the screen, I would sing. He doesn't say if you had a voice, just be faithful. Faithful. That's all he says. Well, here we go. The man with two talents, he approached and said, Master, you gave me two talents, and see, I've earned two more talents. And guess what? What's this? What's this? The exact same words. Verse 23. His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful of a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Share your master's joy. So what does God reward? What does God reward? Burn that in your heart. Because some of you are walking around like a dog who's been whipped too many times with your tail between your legs. All God is telling you, be faithful. Be faithful. You're teaching the class and three people show up. Be faithful. Be faithful. I've always said this. If you're back there right now in that nursery and you're watching babies so parents can sit here and hear the word of God, God will reward that faithfulness. That faithfulness. We don't have to have a ministry like Billy Graham to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. But we need to be faithful like Billy Graham. We need to be faithful like Matt and Bethany. We need to be faithful like Mark and Meredith. 
my friends, as far as I know, who are still in North Africa. Incredible. Now, wait for it, because here it comes. In verse 24, the man who had received one talent, and let me pause there. I, I, wanna, I just want to drive this home in your heart. It could have been 20 talents. The outcome would not have mattered because it wasn't a talent problem. It was a heart problem. He, he said, the, it could have said the man with 100 talents, the man with 50 talents, the man with six talents, it's the man with one talent, but that didn't matter. Because there wasn't a talent problem, it was a heart problem. So the man who had received one talent also approached. And oh boy. Master. Let me just read and come back. Master, I know you. You're a harsh man. Reaping where you haven't sown and gathering where you haven't scattered seed. Master, I know you. You're a harsh man. And you know what's sad? Can can I just tell you what's sad? Let me tell you what's sad. There are people listening on the radio and there are people in this room right now. That's your opinion of God. I know you. God, you're waiting to hurt me. I messed up yesterday. I'm waiting for the axe to fall. Because that's the kind of God you are. You're harsh and you're mean. Where did you get that theology? Does God judge? Yes. Does God discipline? Yes. But a harsh, vengeful God on his children? No. No. Every time I spanked Rebecca, I think I can say this. I did it out of love. Okay, there was that one time. Do you really discipline your children because you hate them? I know there's some twisted people. I know. But generally speaking, we discipline our children because of love. And let me, just, let me just make it real. Let me say it again. I know you. You're a harsh man. Reaping where you haven't sown. Again, where you haven't scattered seed. If that's your picture of God, you've got to get into his word. He loves you. Yes, he will discipline you. But again, it's for the purpose of restoration, not to hurt you. He loves you. Over in 1 John 4, 18, listen to this beautiful verse. There is no fear in love. There is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in his love. The one who fears does not understand the love of God. He is your dearest dad. He's your loving father. And he does love you enough to discipline you. But he would never just arbitrarily hurt you. I know you've had a dad that did that, didn't you? I just thought of this. You did, didn't you? You had a dad who beat you like the, I can only imagine the movie. You had a mean dad. You had a bad dad. Well, God's not your bad dad. He's just not. He's not. I find it so sad. Master, I know you. And I wrote down, not really. No, sir, you really didn't understand him. You need to understand he loves you much. And what I'm fixing to read in a minute is harsh. I know it is. And I don't really have an answer for the harshness or what sounds like harshness. 
I was afraid. And I went off and hid your talent in the ground. See, you have what is yours. I'm, I'm going to show you, I don't believe this is true. I, I, I've got enough grandkids where I've seen them, they'll say, well, I did it because of this. And you're going, that isn't so. I mean, I'm old, but I'm not that old. I got jet lag, but not that bad. You know, I was afraid. He wasn't afraid. He had a, he had a different, he had a different darling. He was more interested in the money than the master. He's more interested in the created than the creator. He more wanted a fire escape than a Lord and master. Well, again, I, I don't have an answer. I'm going to be honest with you. It, this sounds hard, but God does not make a mistake. In the story, in the story, it says, his master replied to him, you evil, lazy servant. If you knew that I reap where I had sown and gather where I haven't got. Again, I don't think that's true. I think that's what the man believed. Then you should have deposited my money with the bankers. And I would receive my money back with interest when I returned. Can I ask you a question? Why didn't he? Why didn't he put it in the bank? You know, we got several people working at a bank. And when you put your money in the bank, there's a record. There's a paper trail. You know why he didn't put that money in the bank? Because he saw himself as an owner and not a manager. As long as that money was buried in a hole somewhere, it was his. The moment he put it in the bank, it became the master's. What is that you're holding on to? That you got buried in a hole somewhere and you don't want to be a manager. You want to be an owner of it. It might be your marriage, it might be your children, it might be your family, your career, your character. It may be the material stuff that we have. What have you got buried in your backyard? Because you want to be the owner and not the manager. Psalm 14.1 says this. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt and do, out, do vile deeds. There is no one who does this. I taught this to you one time before. And a lot of the Bibles, if something's added to give clarity, they'll put it in italics. If you'll look in most Bibles, this really says, the fool says in his heart, no God. No God. No God. Have you ever heard the term practical atheist before? It's a person who says, I believe in God, but lives like he doesn't. That's exactly what this man is doing. He says he believes in God, but he's not living like he believes in God. He's got a different darling. His darling is not the manager. His darling is the money, the manager's money, which he covets and wants to own. Psalm 10, 4 says, In all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there is no accountability since there is no God. No accountability. Don't we sometimes live like that? No accountability. Hey, 
I've got Jesus as my Savior. I'm going to heaven. Who gives a rip? I'll, I'll deal with that when it happens. There is an accountability time. It's called the judgment seat of Christ. And Paul also wrote about that and said, if you have wood, hay, and stubble, that will be burned up. And you will be saved, your soul will be saved, but literally by the skin of your teeth. But if you build with gold, silver, and precious stones, that will last forever. Forever. Well, let's get through to the end. Verse 28. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have more than enough. But the one who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. You want to hear the sad part? This guy ends up empty-handed. He goes to heaven. Because again, he called his servants to him. The story is about servants of God. But he went in. Isn't there an old song? Some of you old-timer folks like me. You know, must I go in empty-handed? Talking about this The man loses everything. And then, again, it sounds so harsh. Throw throw this good-for-nothing servant into the outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What does that mean? I can't tell you. I just know I don't want to be said of me. All right. Can you give me five more minutes? Because we've got to end on something better than that. Dwayne, is there a practical way that I can be a, a manager and not an owner? Is there a practical way where I can make sure my darling remains God and not something else? Because, Dwayne, we live in a land of plenty. We live in a land of plenty. And, Dwayne, it's awful easy in this world where we go to work and get a paycheck and can buy a lot of stuff for us to become owners, we think, and not managers. So, Dwayne, as a believer in Jesus Christ, is there a way for me to make sure that doesn't happen. Well, I really think there is. Um, again, give me about four more minutes. Luke 12, 31 through 34. Just write this down. Now, I'm going to talk through it real quickly. There are four things and a bonus. Four things and a bonus. Okay? Luke 12, 31. But seek his kingdom. Now, Matthew says, but seek first his kingdom. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Here's number one. Don't be afraid, little flock, because you're Father delights to give you the kingdom. Number one, don't be afraid of God. He's your loving Father. He delights in giving you the things of the kingdom. Nothing pleases God more for Him to entrust His stuff to you for you to be a manager of. That's a cool thing. That's a cool thing. So so delight and remember in God's nature. He loves you. And he delights in giving you things to entrust it to you as a manager. Number two, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. Number two is hold loosely the things of this world. Hold loosely the things of this world. Sell your possessions. I'm not technically to sell your stuff. Just hold it loosely. Just hold it loosely. And... Give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old. An exhaustible treasure in heaven. Live for the next world. Live for the next world. Managers do that. We don't live, for, should not live for this world. 
but we live for the next world. Number four, remember where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Remember who your darling is. You know, you, you may have saw it in the film, but there's something going on. Did anyone notice? The dude playing P.T. Barnum, Jack Human. No, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> Jet lag. <laughs> Jet lag. But Hugh Jackman, he's watching and he's looking at her. The one singing, never, never, of this passionate song. And he's like, He's having a hard time remembering who his darling is. And then he looks at the crowd, the world. He's having a hard time remembering who his darling is. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Remember who your darling is. Dance with the one who brung you. The bonus is this. This is Senior Adult Sunday. I are one. In fact, I thought this, you're going to love this one. You know, Brent and I both are senior adults. I mean, AARP sent him his letter four years ago. And I told Judy, David, you're, you're not, they're knocking on your door. You got an old staff, you know. Hi, we're AARP. We're here to make your life better. Here's the good news. It's Senior Adult Sunday. There's enough time. No matter if your darling has been the wrong darling, for years there's time. Listen to what Peter says. Dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like one day. God can take one day. If you said today, I don't know how many, God, God, I don't know how many days I got left. I may be 84 today. I may be like, oh, demon, I may be 90 years old. And God, I don't know how many days I've got left, but God, would you multiply every day I've got left because I want you to be my darling, and would you multiply it and make it like a 1,000 years? And he says, I can do that. He says, I can do that. It's not too late. If you're, if you're midlife, you're midlife, you're saying, oh my gosh, I've lived for the world. I've, 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 I've sold out my family. I've sold out my wife. I've sold out my character. It's not too late. He can take your remaining days and multiply them into years. It's not too late. But you've got to make him your darling today. So here's the deal. Here it is. Number one. Number one, I've talked the whole time to believers in Jesus Christ. But if you're here today and you've never trusted Christ, you've never reached this point where you believe that the man on the cross died for your sins, that he became sin and the wrath of God was poured out. He died for your sin because the payment for sin was death. And he died for your sins. If you've never reached that point, if you never put your faith and trust in him, he can't be your darling, but he wants to be. And today, we have a time of decision. Right now, Brent's going to be standing down front. And the whole point of this thing is right now. Which, by the way, reminds me, don't leave in the invitation. Don't get your keys out. The whole purpose of this thing is invitation. Don't disturb the person next to you by leaving. The chicken can wait. The chicken can wait. I had a guy come to my office and say, Dwayne, what can you do about the invitation? People are just leaving. 
I said, I don't know. Well, I did it today. Don't leave. If you're here today and you want to know more about Jesus Christ and how he can be the Lord and King and give you a fulfillment purpose in your life, my friend Brent would love to tell you that story today. We're asking you to come forward, not to embarrass you, but simply because he's got what you need and that's some information and truth that you need. If you're here today and you've followed Christ as your Savior, but you know you've had another darling too long. And by the way, did you know preachers can have other darlings? called ministry. It doesn't have to be a bad thing. It can be a good thing. Teachers, Sunday school teachers can have darlings, wrong darlings. Yeah. So if you're here today and you realize, you know what, I've been chasing after the wrong darling. Today I want God, I want you more than anything. I want you to be my Lord and King again, like I made that commitment years ago. Maybe you want to make it public by coming down to the altar. We'll have glad to have some folks pray for you. But leave today knowing that either, yes, I trust Jesus Christ as my Savior, or I've done that, and I want Him now to be my darling. And he'll be, I'll always say that because of Him, the world would never be enough because of who He is in my life. Let's pray. Well, God, I sure thank you for the privilege of sharing this truth today. Oh, God, I want to be true in my life. I want to be true in my life. God, would you be the darling of my life? Father, would you be the darling of our church? Will we not trade you for anything? May all the gold in the world and all the high towers and all the spotlights and all the stars pale to you. If there's someone here today who's never made that commitment of trust to you, may today be that day for them. And may each of us who know you commit today, commit today to you to be the one we're passionate about, the one we seek after. And God, if I know, like the song said that we read at the beginning, so many of us have regrets. Father, thank you that you can turn days into years. And whether we've got 10 days or 1,000 days, how many we have left, thank you that you can multiply that for your honor and for your glory. So please have your way in this invitation time, this decision time. In Jesus, I pray in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Would you